0: right it's episode two unless you count the pilot it's episode three then so we're already out of order we're counting this as episode two welcome back to the tone bros podcast with uh myself chuck bungo who's tone bro number two and mr matt horn who is tone bro numero uno how you doing
1: i'm doing good amigo how you doing
0: i'm doing all right dude i'm i'll tell you what this has been an awesome day already for um Uh, For gear, because right before we started recording and and today that we're recording, this is October 27th of 2020, the year of uh, Satan, apparently Um, the (laughs) like there was a little announcement. I was cruising YouTube and I was watching uh, I was watching some uh, alga fish and um, uh, some Ola England stuff, you know, shout out to both of them. I'm sure they will never listen. To this podcast uh but shout out you never to know, Ag- dude. yeah to aga fish and uh and to ola um and in my recommended videos on the side of youtube i looked down and i saw a video by gibson tv i know to a lot of people gibson right now is is a is kind of a can be a little bit of a controversial word however they just put out a video it's about seven minutes and change long it's the witness by adam jones which introduces the gibson 1979 silverburst custom the adam jones edition and i my i i have to gird my loins for this one this is something i remember i think honestly that's where i fell in love with Silverbursts, was seeing adam jones as les paul and i and i saw it because his age like it turned green and like Cause that metal oxidized in the finish and it just looked always looks so good. And they're, they are doing a probably more than likely limited edition, Adam Jones, Les Paul custom. And I can't wait to see what comes out of Gibson with this.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm curiously optimistic. I'm hopeful with what Gibson's learned or what Gibson's hopefully learned from the, uh, from the last however many two years or whatever of controversy that they've had, that maybe this is something, maybe they're listening to the fans for once. Um, But in all honesty, like what kind of got me interested, I got interested in this fairly recently. Um, Another YouTuber that will probably never listen to us that uh, is worth mentioning for me is, has been the troglies guitar show. And I don't know if you saw that one where he hooked up with a guy who had a, pretty much the same model as 70 it's either a 78 or a 79 um new Orleans era Silverburst. yeah that was in pretty good that was in pretty decent condition like player's condition but better than most um it, but that just kind of intrigues me that whole era of guitars really fascinates me well one because i still have this pipe dream that i'm going to find a guitar for my birth year um which you know may or may not happen but um it just seems like such a, a bizarre crazy but really interesting time in the guitar world
0: it, it really is and uh two two things number one real quick what is your birth year
1: 1970 sorry that, 1978 1970
0: okay see you have a cool Ooh, i could hear the little tone cherubs in the background running around
1: yes the yeah <laughs> the tone the the, the tone children
0: <laughs> well they're hopefully the they're uh, learning a little something. They love they love your guitars, by the way. When I was over there last, oh, they love your guitars.
1: Yeah, we have names for them and everything. Which we'll, we'll have to get. We'll have to do that for another video uh, oh, yeah. for, or for another podcast. We'll have to talk about our affections for our individual instruments and oh. what's our gear gear.
0: Oh yeah, dude. Well, anyway, so so like y- you mentioned your birth year thing. See, you have a cool year, like for for gear for you. Like, you have 1978. That's still, you know, is right. it the best time for Fender? Not necessarily. Is it the best time nope. in Gibson history? Not necessarily. But nope. there's a lot of good ones. Mine, 1985.
1: <sighs> well, it's a great year. It was a great year period for music. But for the instruments, uh, uh, it was maybe, kinda, maybe not. But...
0: Yeah, it was kind of dicey. Like, I'm pretty much leaning on the fact of finding, like, a Japanese-made squire or maybe like a, a Charvel or a Gibson or not a Gibson, a Charvel or a Jackson, maybe a maybe a BC Rich. You know what I mean? Like
1: Yeah, or look. even or even another Ibanez. I mean, I know you and I have been kind of Ibanezed out over the last couple of years, but they had some real interesting runs. That was uh the Roadstar Star was starting to become big with that. Um I call it the Shark Tooth headstock, but you know you know what I'm talking about.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well anyway, but the the other thing you mentioned Trogly from Trogly's guitar show, I actually need to message him again. I sent him a message because I, I, you know, I've I've been kind of dicey lately with watching his videos, but for a while I was religiously following his videos, and yep. I shot him a message because he's located in Ohio, and I shot him a message oh, okay. and I and I was oh yeah, and um and I sh- and in his videos he kept mentioning how he would love to learn how to do fret work one day. And I just, Mm -hmm. wild hair up my ass, went on Facebook and shot him a message and said, Hey, just wanted to let you know, um, I, have been doing fret work for about a year, uh, a year plus, and now it's much more than that. Um, and if you want to learn how to, to level and dress or even refret something, if you have a guitar that we can do, then we can get the materials and I can come out and I can show you how to do it. And I told him, I said, You don't have to pay me anything. I like a good road trip. And you don't even have to do a video or anything on it. I don't want to, you don't, I'll just show you how to do it. So then you can do it and, you know, save yourself money and everything. And we were going to do it. We were going to get together once winter broke uh, this year. And and then COVID hit and that kind of put the kibosh on it. So
1: yeah, COVID ruined the, put the kibosh on pretty much everything for everybody. Yeah, it did. But like,
0: but regardless, that was a fun little aside that like Trogly, I actually, I need the message. And if somehow this gets in the hands of, of, of uh, Trogly over there, yo, hit me up, look back through your messages and see if, uh, if you still want to get together, because that would be a lot of fun. But anyway, so Adam Jones Having this Les Paul being released is a long time coming. It's something people have wanted for a long time. And I'm excited to see what the price point's going to be. And if they're going to do a, like, non-custom shop run. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know we kind of briefly talked before we went live. Um, You were saying, like, roughly, you think it's going to be, like, maybe six or seven. Which I, I think that's that's definitely reasonable. For some reason, I see Gibson making this an extremely limited run and putting it at the at the five figures. I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm seeing, but I'm hoping I'm wrong in this case
0: i I think it it will probably be one of those things that the one that's super accurate to his, kind of like the true reissue, is gonna be five to seven thousand dollars, maybe even more but I think they'll do a model that is basically if you bought the guitar brand new and make it a a production run. And I think it'll sit somewhere probably in the range of maybe 25 to three, which, and we're talking about that. Like, it's like, Oh wow. What a bargain. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I don't know about you, but right now I'm having a hard time throwing down that kind of money on a guitar.
1: (laughs) yes yeah, like you know pay pay the mortgage you know put maintenance on the vehicles or sports on a new guitar the the kid in me says Buy the guitar prostitutes. all the way but
0: the, what? Uh, well
1: that's 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 all you do I i can't <laughs> i can't be involved with that stuff that's i have enough true. woman problems as it is with just one i didn't that's, just say that
0: that's true you are very outnumbered uh the um yeah but but no so like with this to me when when I was younger and I saw that I was like, man, how cool would it be to have that guitar? And I've always kind of like idolized that guitar and like Silverburst Les Pauls, Silverburst anything really, just because of Adam Jones and that kind of um, aura that's around that finish, you know? Because if. if Adam Jones likes it, it must be great, you know what I mean?
1: So and that was a limited finish back in the day too. Wasn't oh yeah,
0: it? oh yeah. Like it was, I think they, I'd have to now correct me if I'm wrong. I'm no troggly. Okay. So I think the silver burst stuff was done in the late seventies for what? Like three ish years.
1: Something Maybe.
0: like that. I, yeah. That's the thing. Gibson history. I'm not so much on, and actually I'm really rusty on a lot of my history, but nevertheless, this goes to the point, And we kind of talked about bringing this up. excuse me uh so professional the um like there's gear that's hallowed in the guitar community it's that bucket list gear it's that like that unobtainium you know what i mean like and if i look at if i if i say to you matt hey matt what's one piece of gear that is revered as this in this pantheon of special like oh man that would be amazing if i could own You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, immediately I mean, you you know, my, my brain, my brain kind of, if we're going on the Gibson run, my, my brain immediately goes to the, the end all be all the Holy grail. Number one, the 59 Les Paul standard. Yep. I think a lot of people will gravitate toward that. If not that, then the 54 Stratocaster.
0: Oh, like early strat.
1: Yeah. Like I'm thinking 54, like the year they were released. I'm I'm going with the Les Paul or the strat because they're, you know you could argue back and forth between the two but there's no real denying that the top two highest selling um, or most frequently used guitars in one form or another whether it's made by the original companies or not are a Les Paul and a Stratocaster. I think I think it's safe to say that.
0: Well there there's the old question that people or the thing that people always say if you say to someone electric guitar the three guitars that they immediately will think of are either a Les Paul, a Stratocaster, or a Telecaster. Right. And, and I mean, to be fair, there's reason for that. Not only because they are classic designs that age well, flaws and all they age well, but they also were kind of the first of their kind. I mean, yeah, you could argue the log was there and they were putting pickups in, in hollow bodies and acoustics and stuff. But really the, 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 Genesis of solid body electric guitars were Telecaster, Stratocaster, Les Paul. Right. I mean, so they've stood the test of time even up to this day. But like, so for you, you think 59 Les Paul for me. And I think honestly, if someone said, what's that one piece of bucket list gear that you would want? And you can call me a, you know, a a basic bitch here all you want. But like, it would have to be Probably an early Rev, like Rev D or Rev E um, dual rectifier, like two channel dual rec. Or, or, or even earlier, if you could get even earlier to like the ones that like George Lynch was using, like Rev A's, you know, which are impossible. And I, and very kind of like mythical, but the other one for me, honestly, and I know this is ridiculous. It would be um, the uh diamond plate esp james hetfield
1: the diamond plate wow yeah okay no that makes sense that makes sense well that kind of that's one of those instruments that holds a special place for you oh dude with absolutely. your um, with your you know your kind of love i don't want to say love affair but because that sounds inappropriate but um w- you know metallica was basically the band for you that's kind of what got you into the instrument yeah our, you know from our first podcast for those of you that paid attention yeah what? <laughs> you know? but yeah it's i think that i think that plays a big role in it too because if you were to ask me this question 20 years ago you know i might have said something completely different
0: oh and same thing like i mean i might have said you know the modern three-channel multi-watt trirex you know or right. i would have said oh dude you know one for me that is actually kind of attainable if i really wanted it is an uber shawl
1: yes like yeah ugh,
0: you know have you ever pl- have you ever had the pleasure of playing an uber shawl
1: i have only ever played one bogner and it was with you and i don't even know if i can technically officially call it a bogner but it was a an alchemist it was the <sighs> one i think it was a one by 12 combo those and, yeah go ahead yeah Go no, ahead. I was just going to say it wasn't, I don't know if you remember that it was, I, I, you know, I don't want to give too many details away, but, um, it was in that one store in, um, state college and yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really my thing. I thought I would love it, but I really didn't.
0: They, they were, I mean, the problem is I think with those amps is number one, they had a lot of QC issues and number two, when you thought Bogner, your mind immediately goes to the ecstasy or the Ubershaw. or the fish you know what i mean it it goes to those yep. kind of iconic bogner amps and that one was almost more like it, it wasn't it didn't have the grunt and the gain that you assumed that an amp designed by Reinhold Bogner would have um but but regardless i i got to play an Uberschall and it was a used one okay and it was mm. at uh, a store in Williamsport, which again I, I don't know. Should we throw out names of stores? What do you think? I think um, for the purpose of yeah I, yeah, I think that's fair. Well, it was at KS Music in Williamsport. Okay, and, and I well they had
1: I, one at KS. Oh wow! That's, oh, mm.
0: and it was it was weird because like K and th- that's one of those stores. First of all, it's in an old church, which is yep. so cool. Uh, yep. Second of all, when you go in there the dudes who work there are super friendly. Yep. They don't hard sell you. And this is not we're hashtag not sponsored or whatever, you know, but like right. I spent so much time there because, you know, I, I went to school at lock Haven. So we'd make trips over there. And, uh, uh like <laughs> I went in there one day and they always had cool used stuff, man. Like, and and they had really good deals. Well, I went in there and I saw Bogner and I went, What is that? And I looked and it was an Uber shawl. And I went up to the guy and I said, please, can I play that Uber shawl? He goes, yeah, man, come on. We'll plug it in, dude. First of all, people complain about the Uber shawl and say the cleans are not great. I thought they were perfectly fine. Now, this was 12 years ago. So, you know, could be a whole different can of worms. But I, I I clicked over to the distortion channel and I went, that's what I've wanted to hear for years. I went, this is it. I was I was shocked. And of course, you know, Ubershaw's new or any Bogner is wacky expensive, but rightfully so. Um, and I looked at I was like, okay, what's the price gonna be? Because he said it was consignment. I looked at it. You know how much they wanted for that amp?
1: Um well, I'm gonna say 18. No. You More ready? Or less. You ready? Okay. I think
0: it was ten fifty.
1: dollars oh. oh, wow.
0: Yeah, they wanted, they wanted 1050 bucks, and I panicked, and I was trying to figure out a way to get the money to get that amp. Because at the time I didn't have gear to trade, I was like, I, I got to have this amp. And by the time that I went back, it was gone. Of course, because someone saw an yeah. Uber for just over a thousand dollars. Sweet. You know, like, but anyway, I'm getting way off track. But the point is, like, there's yeah, there's her. gear that we're told and kind of conditioned to believe is always, always good. Like, what's what's another? Oh, you mentioned the fifty nine. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the infamous PAF.
1: Yeah, the PAF is something I think we overlook a lot because, you um, Really, for any heavy music, I think eventually somebody would have uh, figured out how to make the classic single coil or the P ninety a little more user friendly. But the PAF was that that pretty much changed the entire landscape.
0: Oh yeah, and and I mean, there's like and but that's the thing is we're told that that vintage PAFs, which by themselves sell for what hundreds of dollars like hundreds, if not more,
1: like even the wire, even just the wire themselves, the copper wire that they use, oh you yeah, can blow a hundred easily just for a single strand,
0: oh yeah, because it's it's vintage correct, you know, if you're restoring it has to be correct right you know and 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 the thing is this, this there's another portion to this this discussion that I think is important, but like so we said that the fifty nine. The, the 54 Strat, like, I mean, even talking about, like, early broadcasters, like, how cool would it be to play, or an early Esquire, you know? Like, that black that black guard sound.
1: Yeah, and the wiring, that was something that took me a little bit, because I never played a vintage one, but when I first heard about the wiring of those instruments, that kind of, that's kind of fascinating. For those of you who don't know about the wiring on the original broadcaster, and I think even, correct me if I'm wrong, but even, like, the first year or the first couple years that it was the telecaster which that's a whole other chapter in and of itself is what the difference between those two guitars are but the um the controls were bridge neck and neck with the tone pretty much all the way off now why they had that in there i i don't know i don't know it's because they didn't have electric basses at the time and that filled up the bottom end i don't know but that's um. such an anomaly that i think is so cool
0: Um, I think, honestly, it was to be able to attain that jazz sound. You know what
1: I mean? Um... It's completely useless, though, I would think, because I've taken my Telecaster and I've turned the... I mean, I know it's different components whatnot, but I've turned the tone all the way off on that, and it's... I don't want to say it's completely useless, but it's not any... It's not a a great tone. I'm sure somebody would find a use for it.
0: Well, it it depends on situation, and what you need it for. Right. You know what I mean? Because back right. then you still wanted you wanted the ability to have that jazz sound. I mean, it was early 50s still. Um right. without without having to have the feedback of a jazz box. So it makes sense. But like those those things aside, but then like we're conditioned with other things and the big one, and we mentioned this on uh the previous episode kind of is pedals, you yes. know, like, and, and of course, what pedal am I going to mention, Matt, that has an aura?
1: <laughs> well, I was thinking DS one. No, the old orange, but bo- no, no, no. think
0: of like Pantheon of must have instant, great tone boxes.
1: Oh, see there's so many though that's the that's the thing there it could be anything that you're talking about like i'm immediately going with uh, some kind of a boss driver distortion pedal but i know it's probably it's probably even deeper than think, that think
0: think valuable think like like holy crap if i could have one it'd be amazing and it would fix my tone and and it's legendary like people try and replicate it like
1: Well, my tone doesn't need any fixing. (laughs) Oh,
0: look at this guy over here! Look at Big Dick swinging.
1: Um, Yeah, it took took me three episodes to get out of my little box. (laughs) I don't honestly. I'm I'm kind of stumped with where you're going because there's so much. I'm I'm curious as to where you're going with that.
0: It's it's four little letters, K L O N.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. The
0: Klon centaur, dude. Yeah. Like that pedal. I, and, and, and here's the crazy thing. Until I started getting into like the history of like pedals and where they came from and et cetera and stuff like that. I always thought that the Klon Centaur was from the
1: 70s. Yeah.
0: It's absolutely not. The Klon Centaur was made in the mid 90s.
1: It was like 92 or 93, I yeah, think.
0: It was like early mid 90s. And it just like became this infamous, like infamous drive box. And it and and not taking anything away from them because that's one piece of gear that I have not gotten to try. But like I've I've got to play like all the way from, you know, more uh accessible replications, like your Soul Food that you had.
1: Yep. I was just gonna say that. yeah, Still have it.
0: The the Soul Food is really great. Um yep. to uh, I mean, the Wampler Tumnus, which is an incredible pedal. Um, yep. it, I mean, you know, there's tons. If you go on like, you know, e- eBay or Amazon or whatever, you can find tons of, uh, you know, overseas, no name or pop-up brands that try and replicate something like it. And I mean, hell, there's even uh, pedals that um, uh, there's companies that do exact replicas of them. And yeah. and, it, now, and they command it made, hundreds of dollars and the originals are thousands of dollars.
1: And that's kind of what I was going to get at. Like, what is it about that? That makes it so expensive uh, on the used market. Is it just because there were so few of them made? Like there's, I, I've read as few as 4,000 were ever produced versus like the DS one where there are millions. And I know they're completely different pedals. Oh yeah. But when you look at something mm-hmm. that boss produces, you know, and, Even early boss pedals, their components were not inexpensive. They weren't cheap, but they weren't like, uh, I I don't know, how much does your average like capacitor cost or how much does your average uh, JFET uh, chip cost? Yeah, a couple cents. A
0: couple cents, maybe a buck or two.
1: So it makes you wonder, is it like, is it a valuable pedal because it was just built by some guy in his garage or whatever and there's only a couple ever floating in existence or is it something that's truly magical? I think it might be a little bit of both, but when you have pedals like the Soul Food, for example, um, you were there when I bought that. How much did I pay for that? 60, 60 bucks? Oh, 70 bucks?
0: if that. Oh, yeah, Something. that was on our guitar safari. Yep. Yeah, man. Yep. We need to do another yeah, one of those.
1: I am ready to do another one of those. Make the time and the destination, because I think most of the ones around my area are either closed or on COVID restriction.
0: I know I've gone to a couple stores and they require you to walk a certain path in the store and and everything yep. and and they're very amicable like they try and make it as easy of a, a situation for you as possible, um, but it it is kind of tough. So hopefully here in the next couple months things will lighten up a little bit and we could actually do that and make a make a weekend of it. Um, yep. But I think that the deal with the the Clon Centaur is. And uh, was it uh, music? Is win? I think is is the channel mm. um, yeah, on YouTube. Filer. yeah. Like he just bought one. <laughs> he bought one. Yeah. And 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 I like, and he plugged it in. And I got to tell you, I understand YouTube compresses the shit out of everything, and it's probably a whole different experience in the room. Yeah. It's a cool piece of history. It's a cool like thing to have for in studio or if you have the security of touring where everything is secure and you don't have to worry about your shit getting stolen. Man, uh, there's a vibe to it. There is a vibe and a dynamic nature of it that is kind of incomparable. And that's just through a YouTube video. But if you want in, again if you want the ballpark, you can spend way less money and you can get uh like I said, you can get a Tumness. You can get yep. a uh, a repro. You know what I mean? Hell, yep. you can build your own. <laughs> like they have kits well, out I was, there.
1: I was just going to say that too when it's when essentially you're recreating something that somebody already did and that can we can go further into that as to what's a, a recreation, what's inspired by, it, and what's an outright ripoff. I well, I think bottom line is if you're trying to pawn it off as an original, then yeah, it's 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 not authentic. But for just somebody who wants to build that on their own, just for something to do, you know, why not? It's it, I I don't know anything about circuitry, but from what I understand, it's not a it's not a terribly complicated circuit. It's basically like between that and the tube screamer are kind of the two, the, well, you can throw the DS-1 in there as well, but um, at least for me, it does something differently to your rig. I, I can't explain what exactly it is, and keep in mind I'm using one that costs a very small percentage of what the original costs when when you look at the price of the Soul Food versus an original, even a KTR, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're like 2 something. I think brand new, which I don't oh. even think they make many of those anymore.
0: No, but, th- but again, they don't have the KTRs like, oh, uh, oh, you're talking about the KTRs that are the repro of the, uh, of the centaur. Like they're the, yeah, uh, like the ones that say like, uh, warning the, the, like, the, like the, legend the surrounding needs. this pedal is not of my own making or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: But like again, you can get into that for two hundred bucks, and from all yeah. accounts, they're damn, damn, damn close.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing too. I think because I was watching a video today, and we're going way off topic here, but I think it's interesting. Uh, I was watching a Gear Gods video, which shout out to another fun YouTube channel, Gear Gods, uh, and they were doing it, that demo of the new Amazon Basic pedals. <laughs> did you see that
0: i was dude i saw i i can't remember who, i think it was fluffs video that i first saw ryan bruce Yeah. and i saw amazon basic drive and i went excuse me and yeah. yeah i watched gear gods as well i watched the distortion and the drive but this is this is your topic you go ahead with this one
1: well no i just thought it was interesting because um You know, uh, Trey was doing the demo of it, and he compared it to a stock Ibanez Tube Screamer um, Mini. And they sounded similar, again, YouTube compression, not being in the room, it's hard to tell. But from my ears and from what he was saying, it didn't really seem that much different. It wasn't anything exciting, but for, you know, what was effectively a $25 pedal. But on the instructions, it said that there are two modes available. And he thought, well, I need to find out what these two modes are. Maybe it's something internal, like a lot of pedals have internal uh, dip switches or regular switches that you can just go in and, and and mess with it and yeah whatever. But so he opens this thing up, and on the inside, when he pulls out the um the circuit board, it is a printed circuit board with the name, I guess it's pronounced Nux, or he, Nux.
0: He says Nux. I've heard Nux, Nukes, and Nuex. Okay. see i so it's
1: it's basically a rebranded new x pedal
0: yeah it's it's a rebranded new x um uh or nux i the one store near me uh sells uh nux stuff and i've played around with some of their stuff and it's for the price it's pretty good um i'm not running out to build a pedal board around the stuff but like Right. It, 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 in a pinch, if you just wanted... If you're like, oh, I don't really like the Tube Screamer, but it'd be nice to have one. Or that soft clipping style pedal. It, I mean, why not? Like, But the that's the thing, though. Is that... I will say this. I don't like the fact <laughs> that <laughs> Amazon Basics is making a guitar pedal. Listen. Right. I am objectively a fan of amazon basic like i have i order tons of dude what i use to wire up 412s i buy amazon basic stereo cable and it works great yep. Yep, like nothing wrong with it no and like i have amazon basic stuff whenever i just need something in a quick pinch um but like there's certain territories that i don't want them to go into And and this is one of them. However, I will say this: they could have gone with a ridiculously stupid, like cheap, trashy, flimsy build and everything. But at least, at least they went to uh, Nux.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, at least they did that.
1: Reputation, right?
0: Yeah, like Nux doesn't. I mean, they have a like. Oh, they're a good budget pedal line you know like so sure. hey if if you want to sink of, sink your money into amazon basic pedals it's a it's a cheap solution
1: it kind of makes you wonder you know if nux or any of these other companies if they're in bed with amazon i don't know as i understand in the far east in like they're almost working as independent contractors. I've noticed this with some other products. Uh, like somebody will come up with a design of something and sell that patent or sell that design to other companies. And sometimes they'll use rebranded parts. Sometimes they won't even bother changing the brand on it. But I guess it's not completely dishonest because they are they never claimed that this is original. Like, oh, I built this. I engineered this from the ground up. No, they're, they're saying this is a classic design. And this is our take on it. They, you know, Amazon basic never claimed to build any of these pedals. You know, Jeff Bezos or Bezos or however he pronounces his name never claimed, you know, as Trey yeah. said, he's he's not claiming he was in his basement, you know, soldering parts together.
0: <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd pay to see that, though.
1: Like, uh, likewise, that um, would be that would be interesting.
0: But no. And, and I mean, that's not something that just happens in the Far East. Like I know whenever, yeah. uh, dude, we're, we're name dropping YouTube channels like crazy, but please go <laughs> check out these YouTube channels. Um, sure. they're awesome. Uh, Spectre sounds without st-
1: them. Go I ahead. was just going to say without, with a lot, a lot of these YouTube channels, I wouldn't have any information to go with. Uh, so yeah, definitely check them. Out.
0: Exactly. Um, and, uh, now Spectre sound studios, whether you like Glenn Fricker or not, I love Glenn. Um, yeah, me too. But I he did a review on the new version of the Mesa cab clone IR, the one that has IR mm-hmm. loaders in it. And when he, you know, he ran it and he was like, okay, it's it's working, it's this, it's that. Um, now, obviously, the, the original cab clone had a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a lot of uh, stink around it. Um, yeah,
1: a lot of controversy
0: and it was kind of half baked, honestly. And I love Mesa. Very rarely do I say that any of their products are half baked, but that one was a little like, Hey, us too, you know? Um, but when they did this one that you could actually load your IRs onto, and they also had like Mesa official IRs in them and you could select them with different mics and models and stuff like that. It was cool and it sounded passable. Glenn then opened it up, and inside, you know what they were using?
1: I didn't see that video, uh, but I'm curious now.
0: Oh, they were. It, he opened it up, and every the guts inside of it were branded as Two Notes.
1: Huh, interesting.
0: So it was Two Notes chipsets and Two Notes technology inside of a Mesa case. So really. You know, it was kind of one of those things that you went, oh, shit. And it like that kind of like woke me up a little bit. And like, yeah, hashtag woke like it it like it more like went, oh, well. I wonder how often companies work with each other and, you know, provide each other stuff like for. Oh, for example, uh, yet another one. Uh, know your know your gear. Um, yeah. Uh, what I I am the worst. What's his name over on Know Your Gear?
1: Oh, uh, Philip McKnight.
0: Yeah, Philip McKnight. He just recently did a review of the Bossi Lorada, uh, Lerata Eight, the import version. And mm. on the back, because they're made in World Music, and World Music, if you don't know, is one of the largest producers of musical instruments in the world. It's World Music, Samick, and um, the Court. the. Uh, court like they're the three biggest producers of guitars and musical instruments in the world and the the obosi imports are made in world music which is the same place that makes schecter and he points out the badging on the back of the headstock at the bottom in the little square it says sgr which is schecter guitar
1: research that's fascinating cuz and- honestly i for the long i remember when obosi guitars first came out they were weren't they being built by Frank Falvo if i remember correctly
0: i think it was like frank the, falvo but like the earliest ones but do do you know about the contra- i know we've gone way off topic from our original topic yeah, we... but that but whatever <laughs> yeah, um we'll we'll circle back around um but it was i think it was frank falvo it was a smaller luthier and from what i understand uh apparently he was just he was putting out bad guitars. He, like, t- took money and didn't deliver product. And, like, it was a mess. So Tosin cut ties with him and then made one of the smartest decisions he ever made in his life. He hooked up with Grover Jackson.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a good idea.
0: <laughs> like Yeah. So the USA Abassis are made by Grover Jackson, who also makes all of the Friedman stuff. Yeah. Like... You can't beat that. But I think it was smart. If Schechter is helping with um, distribution with a bossy, that's smart, man. Because I'll tell you what. I don't know about you. I've never played a bad Schechter.
1: No, I'm not a Schechter expert. But, in fact, you were there for actually most of the times that I've played Schechter's. And... Yeah, I can't think of a single bad Schechter that I've ever played of the maybe five or six of them. But still, you know, that's a 100% success rate.
0: No, and and that's the thing, like, yeah, I mean, early on when Schechter was doing the Diamond Series and it, the import, yeah, they had some QC issues, but they quickly worked that out, man. I'll tell you what. I, I, I've owned, let's see, I have a Blackjack 006, which is what I use to test pickups. Um, it's become my test bench guitar. Um, but I've owned, let's see, I owned a, a Hellraiser, the one with the hollow finish and it had the EMG eighty seven eighty eight. Um, Um, okay. I had, uh, one of the Banshee eight strings, uh, for, a, for a little bit. Uh, what other Schecters have I had? Oh, I had that E1, the purple flame top or quilt top one with the Floyd Rose and the sustainiac. Um, that was a sad Chuck guitar. Sad Chuck bought Future Happy Chuck that guitar.
1: Um, was that the Explorer one? Yes, but oh, it, I was so close to pulling the trigger on one of those a couple of years ago. I was so close.
0: It was great, but the problem was explorers just don't fit me. And I understand one of my bucket list pieces is the Hetfield Explorer from ESP, but they don't fit me. Right. I am a super strat guy. Like I just am super strats and tellies, man. Those are my jam. Um, but my, my point was, it was really smart to get in bed with world music. And if Schechter is helping them, that was incredibly smart. Um, and uh, uh, Phil had nothing but good things to say about the quality and the fit and finish and everything um, however and understandably those guitars have to be expensive to produce I think two grand is a little much for an import guitar
1: yeah I do too um, I mean I hate to say it but like when you're looking at prices of the the big instruments from the big we're going to say the big three which to me is Fender Gibson, and you can probably throw Ibanez um, because pretty much Ibanez is the only other one. Like you could say Jackson or Charvel, but they're all owned by Fender anyway. Well, Fender but, like, Gibson
0: PRS then.
1: Uh, Fender mm-hmm. PRS, yeah, fair, yeah. For if you're talking about guitars with American distribution, yeah, PRS. We'll put them in there. They're all. I mean, your average Gibson costs what 25, 2500 or three grand somewhere around there, roughly. American made Fender that American made Fender can run can run you fifteen hundred plus. You know, um, oh yeah yeah 1500 plus same thing with a, a core model prs is god they're three grand now right yeah oh,
0: they they skyrocketed man yeah you remember you used to be able to i think buy a core custom 24 for what like 1800 bucks
1: something like that because uh when i first started um hanging with sweetwater again no sponsorship here but yeah you need gear go to sweetwater they'll hook you up tell them matt sent you <laughs> um <laughs> jerk your split um yeah uh, but yeah, it's once I started following them, you know, they're a big PRS dealer, and you could get the I think it was the S2s, whatever model they were. Uh, this was like five years ago, five six years ago. You used to be able to get those for eight ninety nine, an American made Paul Reed Smith for eight ninety nine. Wow! I mean, they they were ugly as afterbirth, but at least it was a PRS. You know what I mean? <laughs> I shouldn't say they were ugly; they just you know, ugly when people that? think of wow. PRS.
0: What a statement. Ugly is afterbirth.
1: Well, I'm just you know, being a fender aficionado, I can say that I'm not a big fan of pick guards on every guitar. And right. pick guards on Paul Reed Smiths just don't because their their tops are so stunning usually and their designs are so stunning to begin with, why ruin it with putting a pick guard on it? It's just I, I know it's probably to save money and I'm not I'm not ragging on PRS at all. I, I love their stuff, but um but yeah, I used to be able to get them for eight ninety nine. So, you
0: know. Yeah, but my my point is, like, I mean, now to be fair, there are some situations where I think it's appropriate to pay more for an import guitar. Like, for example, and this is one I'm not sponsored but would love to be, Balaguer Guitars out of Pennsylvania. Um, Joe is incredible. His whole team is incredible. And their guitars are amazing. Um, Like, I... I've owned now four Balagueres, and people are probably thinking to me, like they're going, like, "What does he do for a living?" And I'm like, "Nothing. I'm really good with buy selling and trading, and also I don't do nothing. But I, 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 you know, I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> we like, I'm just good with with trading and finding good deals. So, like, the first Balaguer I owned, actually, again, we're gonna name drop again you can throw, uh, go over to Arnold Plays Guitar, and it's uh, Arnold Habowitz. Arnold, I hope I'm saying your last name right. His Reverb shop, and he did a video on this guitar. He basically wanted to build his dream power metal Strat. So he took their archetype shape and built this guitar up, and he did a review on it, and it's great. And he put it up on Reverb, and... I, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to, to have a good bonus. And I put some money away like a responsible adult that I am. And then the rest of it, I went, I'm going to buy myself a guitar. And I found that one on Reverb and I bought it. And I had it, loved it, my and sold it to my one guitar student. Then I came into um, a... A uh, limited production ar- archetype that they did that was purple burst. They call it their nightmare burst, and I played that, loved it. Um, and then I traded an ESP for a semi-custom, and this is where I'm getting into the import thing. Semi-custom growler, which is their kind of jazz mastery shape, um, and it had a light. It had light up inlays, and. I played that guitar for a long time. And then I recently traded that guitar for their Toro shape, which is their Super Strat. And the Toro is one that's not leaving my hands. Like I love that guitar. Every And my point was though, every single one of these guitars made it world music and import and play great. If you go on their website, you can semi custom build an instrument. Like you can go on there and spec out your build. Make it as cheap or as expensive as you want. But generally, you're going to find it sits anywhere between 1600 to 2000 Yes, they're made in Korea at World Music. However, the people who work on it, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's a very, very, very small group of builders. Like four or five people work on these guitars. They're not mass produced, they are made to order, so you are getting a guitar that's custom for you. And at that point, I feel like it's appropriate to charge that kind of money.
1: Yeah, there it's, I've heard that too. It's they're pretty much their master luthiers, like really the guys that are at, and that's the other thing too. Um, which will. We'll segue into our original topic because I have something I want to touch on <laughs> with that.
0: Yeah, we've really gone um, off the rails. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> well, you know, again, this was a big influence on me. But for those of you that are ever listened to Wampler's Chasing Tone podcast, love it. You know, they their videos all could have been five minutes long, but they. I mean, it's when you get a couple of gear geeks together, you get off topic. That's just how it is. Deal with it. If you don't like it, don't listen. I'm kidding. No, please listen to us, please. We have <laughs> bills to pay. Anyway, so going back, um, when you have these these foreign-made instruments, um, it makes you wonder, at least for me, it makes you wonder, well, why would you pay three times that for an American? Like, if you can get yourself a nice Les Paul-style guitar made by insert company here, Made at insert company overseas then why pay the why pay more
0: yes matt oh no we lost him again oh that was some fun technical difficulties there we had so anyway matt what were you saying
1: <laughs> otacon did you get the pictures
0: matt matt <laughs> matt oh my god
1: Oh. Yeah, we're we're video game geeks too, which we'll have to touch on that.
0: Oh, absolutely so. too, absolutely. But anyway, well, what, well, what what were you saying yeah. before? Uh, before we had our Discord technical difficulties.
1: Oh, I think it was just, um, you know, it's interesting when you look at these uh, companies overseas, like World Music and other ones. Um, even like, even when you look at Gibson and Epiphone, I mean, everybody knows Gibson and Epiphone, but it's from my perspective, you know, maybe 15 years ago, it was, oh, I'll never be able to afford a proper Gibson other than the one that I'd already owned. So why even, why even bother? I can just play Epiphones or I can play LTDs or I can play PRSSEs. Um, So it makes you kind of wonder, is the hype behind, for example, the 59 Les Paul or the 54 Strat or the 51 Broadcaster? Is the hype real because they were great instruments or is it just you're holding a piece of history? I think it's a little bit that you're holding it on to a piece of history. So then when you get something like a Balaguer or uh, an Obasi guitar, in 50 years, if we're still all under the same big blue sky, are those instruments going to be just as valuable as the Gibsons are today? Or, you know, I know that's a, that's a ludicrous concept, but it just kind of makes you wonder the validity of the hype versus the actual product.
0: Um, I I think that's a, th- that's a tough thing to say because like right now the market and, and this is hard for someone like me who wants to build their own guitars and sell them. The guitar market right. is flooded right now with like small builders and even builders that are up and coming like Balaguer broke from the pack Because Joe has a very strong vision of what he wants. He builds a quality guitar and he's the the community for Balaguer is incredible. Um, And again, this, I, I understand this makes me sound like a Balaguer shill, but like, man, I'll tell you what, it is so cool to be able to message the owner of a company and have him talk to you like, and, 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 you know, really give you genuine answers, not just kind of slough you off. You know what I mean? Like, and, and like they hold annual Balaguer meetups, like for owners and people in the, you know, the, the Facebook group and stuff. And I've met some awesome people through that. Um, And like I said, their products are consistently good. Um, And, and he also was smart. He built them in PA then once things started growing he went all right and he made a deal with world music and it was for their semi-custom line and they do occasional like small batch runs where you just you're in on like hey there's 300 of these uh you gotta put down your deposit and then pay for the rest but then they also started producing a standard line in china and i understand China and Indonesia, to a lot of people, are kind of like, no, nah, I don't know. Indonesia's getting a lot better. And I'll tell you what. I've played some Balaguer standards, and, man, I'd put them toe-to-toe with anything that is produced out of Mexico, out of Korea, out of Indonesia. Uh, and you know what? I'll even be so bold as to say some builds out of America. Like, wow it's consistent good QC and good like like customer service that I think makes Balaguer separate from a lot of other ones. Um but I don't know as far as it goes with will Abbasy guitars be as valuable? I think for a certain subsect of people they will be. Um I
1: I, 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 I it's think a, it's a hard thing to to quantify that and I kind of just I bring that up partially to, to be kind of a dick uh, just to be able to raise the argument of, you know, hype versus practicality. If you want to say that, like when you're talking about bucket list instruments, yeah, I think everybody would love to have one of those vintage guitars, but from a practical standpoint, is it worth it? Is it worth owning something that's worth more than your house? You know, or um, like, like I know for me, a, a Gibson Les Paul's worth, you know, the probably the pickups alone are worth more than what I paid for my house. So, you know, it just kind of makes you wonder.
0: I it, it does. And like I think the thing is like it's again, it's hard to say because like like for example, one of the guitars that I had that was I mean it was a, it was a Gibson. But at the time they weren't really it was weird. Like Gibson does things weird. Like if you go online and search for Gibson voodoo, um, the voodoo series stuff, you'll find the Les Paul studios and the SGs all over the place. You will very rarely find the explorers and very rarely find the flying V's. And I had a flying V, um, the original voodoo run, not the guitar of the day or guitar of the month run. Like it was the original voodoo run. And from my research, and I haven't done it in a while, and it could have been wrong, but from what I understood, there were about eight to nine hundred of the V's produced. And I didn't know that. Um, mm. And I beat the shit out of that thing. Not like abused it, but like I gigged it. So the case was dinged up. The guitar had a couple blems on it. I gigged the thing and I used it. And it was it wasn't the best Gibson in the world. But it had a cool vibe, it had a cool tone, and it played pretty well. Um, but now, like, when I when I bought it, or when I got it, it was $800 because the place was getting out of Gibson. And so I got okay. it. And then when I sold it, I sold it for 900 And I was like, okay, okay. basically, you know, basically rented the thing for a couple of years. Um,
1: right
0: now if you tried to get one they're like like 1800 2100 2400 like they're so expensive but again those are the those are the v's and explorers the sgs and the less pauls you can find for around a grand if not less so yeah um but like i i think like oddball stuff will be valuable but like Unless, I, I hope Balaguer blows up. I hope that Abassi does really well. The thing is with Abassi is it's such a niche thing. Um, They could, be, th- listen, they could be some of the best guitars in the world. But the aesthetic isn't for everyone. And I think that will affect, and it also depends on how much the product floods the market. You know what I mean? You can, You can go online and find a used Mexican Strat for like, on a good day, 250 bucks.
1: Yep. So, All day long.
0: And, and that's even with sometimes really upgraded electronics. Like, I, yeah. so it really depends. I don't know if they'll have the clout and the collectability and the namesake of a Gibson or a PRS or like a, a Sur or an Alembic or something like that. But time will tell.
1: Yeah, and there? I think a lot of it too, okay. it's it, a lot of it too, is the name. And I think that's, that's really what it boils down to is that, you know, Obosi, Balagir, they may be great instruments, but to a lot of people, it's like you said, it's a niche thing. Um, and it's not a Gibson and it's not a fender. So for a lot of people by default, that's completely not an option. Um, I've, and I know you've met people like this too. They yep. won't play anything, but a model a or a model B because to them it represents something bigger than the instrument. And that, that is a topic for another discussion. Um, the I heritage th- behind the instruments that we play.
0: I agree, but I think it's also, um, I think it's also what fits you because I know right. I've, I, I got to play. Um, I got to play an early seventies Gibson. I can't remember what model. And it didn't, it didn't do it for me. Um, I got to play a mid-60s Les Paul as well, and it was a treat. But again, it's not something I would want to play in gig. It just doesn't... They don't fit me right. It would be... If I was a collector or a reseller, yeah, of course. Right. But like, you know... it And it's cool. We can even subdivide this because like you said, I know plenty of guys, and my one buddy Tony... And and Tony, I know you listen to this. Um, He is a Gibson guy. He loves them. Not to say he doesn't play other guitars, but he is a Les Paul diehard. And I will tell you this he made me a believer because forever I didn't like Les Pauls. But he has some Les Pauls that will knock your socks off. And I get why he plays them because they play great, they sound great, they're versatile. And they fit him. When I see him not playing a Les Paul, it's weird. The only thing that doesn't look weird on him is a is an SG. Like even when I see him playing his telly, it it it, it, it he makes it work. But like I go, nah, put your put your put your Les Paul back on, buddy. Like, you know, it's just it's it's him. Um and I think part of it is the heritage and everything, but like for me. Like I said, I'm a Super Strat guy. I'm an RG. I'm a soloist. I'm a a Toro from Balaguer. I'm a, you know, Sir Modern. I'm those kind of guitars. Now, I, and also Telecasters. I love my Tellies. You hand me a Strat, the only Strat that I've played that I liked was my GNL Legacy I had.
1: And when you say Strat, you're talking about like a traditional... Not a super strat, not like a shredder, not like, like you said, the Sur models, but like a traditional spec.
0: A traditional spec strat. Okay, I can't say traditional spec strat. The other one I played, and this is heresy to strat players, was a 76, 77 hardtail.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And you you didn't like it?
0: Oh, I loved it.
1: You loved it. Okay. Oh, I
0: loved it. That's the thing. As I said, it was my GNL legacy that I had my silver one.
1: Yeah, and that then, was a fun guitar. I remember that.
0: Oh, dude, that guitar. I I don't regret selling it, but it would be nice to still have in my box of tricks. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and and the nice. Well, th-
1: oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that opens up another subject for another video, which we'll have to compound some of those into into um an all-encompassing longer video or i don't know why i keep saying video podcast we're not taking videos dumbass uh anyway sorry
0: um <laughs> no i'm gonna is, start a youtube channel too I've, I've got the facebook going i have anchor by the way we're on spotify now
1: yeah i know i, I saw that i was really pleased about that yeah man I, i'm not technically savvy when it comes to any of this um when it comes to the social media front of it so i'm kind of letting you you know handle the reins for that one but whatever whatever i need to do to make it a to continue you know having this be a good product I'm all for it so yeah flood social media as much as you can so um but no I I don't even remember what I was going to say with that Don't you love that this is this is what happens to men at my age
0: I know listen grandpa go have a sanka and calm down the um sanka <laughs> No so but like I understand we've kind of gone all over the place but it, it the the impetus is like here's what I'll tell people like there's heralded gear like like I mentioned before the JCM 800 the 1959 Les Paul the um the 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 Plexi uh the AC30 like you know there I've met people who have played AC30s and they absolutely hate them hate them okay and and a lot of people out there might be thinking who are listening to this if they're listening to this might be thinking how can you hate an AC30 it's Brian May well that's the thing is that the pr- the problem is you're not Brian May so when you plug <laughs> when you plug into an AC30 it can be jarring like if you don't know that's the other I mean that's a whole nother thing of like Learning how to use equipment properly, like each amp is individual.
1: Each yeah, I got to play. I got to play my first AC30 um, when I had the um, Yamaha in the shop, and that was my first. It was my first experience with a Vox, but it was my first with an AC30. That was fun on a different kind of level. I couldn't crank it, but just being up to maybe two or three and this this little guitar store shook just from, from that amp. And it's a 30 watt amplifier, which a lot of people think, oh, 30 watts isn't anything. Listen, plug into one of those things and just try it sometime. But it, like, I don't ever see myself being able to, to use one of those functionally because it's 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 just not my thing. But I think a lot of people just assume that because Brian May played one that his tone is in that amplifier. No, it's not. He did things to get that sound. It's not just as simple as plugging in to the amp and all of a sudden you're playing Bohemian Rhapsody. No, it doesn't work like that. You, you've, got, you've got other things. You've got other tricks that you need to consider before. So, you know, that's something that took me a long time to learn. Like, just because a particular artist plays something doesn't mean that you're automatically going to get that sound.
0: Agreed. And I think, you know, we could sit here and we could say that to people who are new, you know, new players and might not believe that or people who just don't believe that. But I'm going to tell you something. One way or another, you're going to learn the hard way that just because you're playing the exact same gear as a person does not mean that you will sound like them. I mean, I ran for a while. I was running a, I'm trying to think. Um, I was running my Jackson bolt-on flying V. Now, understandably, it's not a super expensive Jackson, but it had an EMG, an EMG eighty-one and an EMG eighty, or an EMG eighty-one and an EMG sixty in it. And I was run, I ran it uh, into a dual rectifier. Now it was a multi-watt one, but it was a dual rec. And I thought immediate James Hetfield. It was going to be Hetfield, Kirk Hammett, blah blah blah, plugged in. Couldn't do it. No matter how much I tweaked, no matter what I did, it did not sound like them. And that was kind of my come to Jesus moment with that, where I was like, I'm not them. I need to figure out my own sound.
1: Well, and there's more to it than just not being them. You don't have their, like, we don't have the studio. We don't have the producer that they use. We don't have the engineers that they used. Guarantee you, if you were to have been in that room, it wouldn't have sounded like that. It would have sounded completely different. But even then, like that's that's was the hard thing for me is I, when I had to realize I can't play like other, I can't sound like other players. I can only sound like me, I can only sound like the best version of me. We can use those other players and those tones and that gear as inspiration. But at the end of the day, if it's not coming, it's it's got to come directly from you. It, that sounds got to come out of you somehow. And right. that's kind of that was my come to Jesus. But mine, fortunately, mine happened. Well, I don't, I don't remember exactly when yours when you had your moment, but mine wasn't that long ago, maybe within the last 10 years, I had that where I just, I think it was around the time when I quit playing guitar and I just said, you know what? I, I will only ever do my best. So I'm not going to stress about it anymore. Now it would be nice to be able to pick up an instrument and sound just like, you know, A, B or C, but really you have to, you have to sound like you're going to sound like yourself no matter what you do.
0: Agreed. And like, that's the, that's the the thing is like I I've learned I've learned that like I'm going to play the way I play, I'm going to sound the way I play. I could sit and practice and study the technique of other people, but I'm I'm me at the end of the day and I like what I like. And one of the best compliments I've ever gotten was my my current drummer Clayton. He to, he tells me all the time he's like, "Dude, I love your sound." He said it just crunches and it cuts through and it's, and it sounds, he's like, it sounds like ballsy. And I was like, and when people think ballsy, they think a lot of low end, but he's like, no, he's like, it sounds mean. He's like, he said, you, you always sound like you mean business. And I'm like, okay, I'm on to something. Like if someone, and and Clayton knows a good sound. And I've had people come up during gigs and say, dude, you sound incredible. And I tell them. And, and they say, what amp are you using? And I say, no, I'm using my Helix. I plug it right through the thing. It blows their little mind holes. You know what I mean? Um, and I love that because I go, look, break out of your thought process. Dude, even again, my buddy Tony, he is a diehard Marshall, Friedman, Fender, Gibson, like that that world. And he gets an incredible tone. And he gets an incredible sound. And it always makes me jealous when I hear it. Cause I go, man, I love that tone. I had him try my Helix through a power amp into a Marshall cab. And all I did was give him an AC 15 and a tube screamer in front of it. And was he running out to sell his gear and buy a Helix? No, but he was impressed. He kind of went, all right, I get it. I get why people dig this and it it's, it's pretty good. And if you can make someone like him say it's pretty good, you're on to something, you know. But right. but going back here because we're getting a little long in the tooth, but um <laughs> but the 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 idea is this this heralded gear, I think the thought process that comes along with it with the fifty nine Les Paul, with the Klon Centaur, with a vintage eight oh eight, uh with you know a fender twin. Uh, a dump. God, we didn't even talk about like Dumble and Trainwreck for God's sake, or the Soldano nope. slow. You know, like there's so many pieces of gear out there that are like these these quintessential dream rig pieces. A- a- the thing is, it's not gonna make you a better player. You might feel more confident, and you might play differently, and it might make you want to play more which will in turn make you better, but it will not magically sprinkle some dust on you and make you a better player.
1: Right. Like you're not going to plug in and then immediately you're going to turn into Eddie Van Halen or John Petrucci or Al Miola. It's going to make you want to practice more. It's going to make you want to play more. It's going to make you fiddle with it more, Yep. but it's, you're still going to sound like you at the end of the day, it's just going to inspire you. And I think maybe that's what it is to, to hold one of these, heralded instruments it's is it inspiring? does it draw something out of you? Um, I remember not too long ago I, was, I finally broke down and watched um, some of the interviews that Kirk Hammett did since he picked up um, Greenie now for those of you who may not be too familiar with it, there is this Gibson Les Paul floating around which if you're listening to this podcast, you're a guitar geek so you know what I'm talking about. the 59 Les Paul that was owned by Peter Green, which was then sold to Gary Moore. Which then circulated around the community for a couple decades, which then wound up in the hands of Kirk Hammett for a very princely sum. Which I don't even know what the final toll on that one was, but that's that's. It was irrelevant. a good amount. But he mentions playing that thing and it pulling something different out of him, something that he's only learned that he's only felt as a mature player. So if in that case then yes you know a lot of it is oh these are his heroes that had this instrument so it's it's pulling inspiration that way um but really it doesn't matter at the end of the day if it inspires you to play you'll go to the ends of the earth to acquire that gear now what i've paid you know two and a half million or whatever uh the current rumor is uh, doubtful but you know i don't have kirk hammett money so (laughs) but i but i but i can respect that
0: No, and I can too. And the thing is, people were immediately giving him shit and saying he was going to put EMGs in it and stuff. Dude, the thing they don't understand about Kirk is that, like, yeah, he puts EMGs and stuff, and that's the Metallica kind of vibe. But, like, he's also, in his own right, a gear historian. Like, Metallica, on the whole, has hundreds of vintage instruments. Hundreds of amps hundred like they and and it's stuff some of it is stuff that they leave alone like not even some of it a lot of it like i mean it's it's basically liquid assets you know what i mean and it's it's preserving history like i find that highly disrespectful to think that kirk hammett would bastardize a legendary guitar just because the internet thinks it's funny like You know, and, and, and there's something to be said about guys like Kirk Hammett and guys, I mean, hell, even like Trogly, who document these rare, interesting guitars and have them and curate them. And I mean, let alone guys like Joe Bonamassa, who has what, three bursts now, three fifty nines.
1: Yeah. And if anything, like for me, and I, this is not meant to be disrespectful towards Joe Bonamassa because he's earned every accolade, every, every, um liberty that he has he's earned all of that he's worked in the trenches he's earned all of that but come on save some of those for the poor people <laughs> well you know save you know what i mean like save some of that like i saw where he was um he said something to the effect of he wanted to he wanted to get like one of every particular uh, Gibson, like, or no, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of John five where he yeah, said he one wanted of, to get a Telecaster. Oh, he has one of every developing.
0: year of Telecaster.
1: Did he finally get there? Oh, he,
0: yeah. A while ago.
1: Okay. Oh All yeah. Right. Well, well, with Bonamassa, like uh, he, he, I was, I was hoping that he, because the rumor was that he was actually going to get greeny and normally I wouldn't care about that sort of thing, but I was like, oh, he has enough. Cause he had, he had the beast for a while There was a rumor that he has the Beano guitar. Um, But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, it it wasn't fair that people were immediately dumping on Kirk Hammett, thinking that he was going to do all this crap. But remember, too, I mean, I wasn't alive for this, but I can only imagine people did the same thing when Gary Moore first picked up the guitar because then he started swapping out parts for it. Oh, yeah. And his response was, I'm playing the thing. I'm not collecting it.
0: And no one gave Gary Moore shit. They were like, oh, it's Gary Moore. Nope. You know,
1: well, but, and that was what, even, as I understand that was in the seventies. So that wasn't even, you know, the guitars were special. Like people were more, I think concerned because it was Gary, or it was sorry, it was Peter Green's guitar. It wasn't that it was a, you know, this coveted 59 Les Paul, arguably other than the Beano guitar, probably the single most coveted guitar in history. Yeah. Or at least from the Gibson branch. Um, but even back then it didn't, it had some level of, um, clout some level of mystery to it but not today not the way it is today no that instrument is 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 considered you know something along the lines of you know the venus de mayo or the um the mona lisa it's it's something that's in a 100 years from now people are gonna somebody's gonna find that thing and be like oh this is something really important it's something very special dude
0: this has been such a good talk and like we could continue pontificating upon i mean like we could talk about you know the the stuff that like john mayer uses because you know give me shit all you want in any kind of comments or anything but like john mayer knows what he's doing and he knows a good tone we could talk about stevie ray vaughn we could talk about like john Petrucci. we could do a whole episode on john Petrucci between you and i
1: like oh definitely
0: I mean, we could keep going on this, but like, what do you guys think? Over on our Facebook page, by the way, we have a Facebook page now. It's facebook.com slash tone bros podcast. And um, go on over there, give the page a like. And whenever we post an episode, please leave your comments, leave your thoughts. If there's any topics of discussion you want us to do, if there's anything you want us to point, counterpoint, ogier, uh, ogier argue over, <laughs> like, Please let us know. Like if, if there's anything you know you want to do, and if we get to the point where we actually have something of a fan base, we'll do a QA and you can send in your questions. Like I'm loving this, man. It's fun to just absolutely nerd out on guitar and like do this kind of stuff with someone who's on the same like wavelength uh and and nerdiness as me. And I hope hopefully if you're listening to this and it makes you interested in guitar history or lore, like, and you go, you know what? I don't play guitar, but I kind of want to pick up a guitar. That would be awesome. Like I I, I'm loving this. This is so much fun. And as always, I, I think we should make this a tradition. Um, at the end of the podcast, we should do one recommendation of like one thing that you should try or check out or whatever. Um, So I'm going to defer to Tone Bro number one for this. Matt, what is something that you would recommend for people to check out? A product, uh, maybe something that, like, they're using that they could, like, change up or whatever?
1: Hmm. Here we go. (laughs) Well, I was trying to prep for that. Um, I'm just sitting here in my dungeon looking at some of the random crap I have. Okay, so... um, (laughs) something uh tone bro number two will appreciate i'm gonna throw a very broad probably the broadest um uh, not even topic the broadest product i can think of which is anything by yamaha and i'm going there because probably my favorite guitar right now is a yamaha pacifica that's my tone bro over here hooked me up with a couple months ago it honestly has not left my hands other than the time i had to take it to the shop just to get a pickup replaced on it which was my choice but um it's a taiwanese guitar and it just plays perfectly and it totally fits what i was going for and um yamaha gear in general like my oldest daughter is getting involved in band um this year and yamaha stuff is all over the place if you're into music in any way, shape, or form, Yamaha has got something for you. I don't want to sound like a, a fanboy or a shiller or anything like that, but I think they don't get enough credit for some of the tremendous gear that they have out. Uh, they have a great uh, practice amp. Um, the Yeah, it's so great. I forgot the name of it. Um, what is it? The TH, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, they make, some, they make some great products You know, for horn players. They make the silent brass. Uh, stuff they make great sound equipment whatever you know yamaha is something that doesn't get a whole lot of credit just because they're everywhere and i think people take it for granted but as far as guitars go they make incredible guitars in different price ranges so that would be my suggestion you, you get to a music store don't discount yamaha you might find something that you know you might love like like in my case yeah I that's know it's a really broad subject but
0: well, that, that, uh, the Taiwanese guitar he's talking about is the, uh, Mike Stern import, uh, signature. And I picked that thing up and I liked it. But I, it, 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 it was at the time where I was like, oh, I, again, another come to Jesus moment where I was like, I need to get rid of some gear. <laughs> um, and I, I realized I, I had picked that up and I liked it. But, uh, for me with a telecaster i like a kind of a rounder radius and that one has a pretty flat radius um for a for a T style guitar uh and i took it down to tonebro number 1 and uh he traded me uh a guitar we affectionately call scarface for it um yes. and it is an ibanez uh sz 3 f- no 520 520 uh, the one that's the Honey Burst, basically the Jared Dines guitar. Um, yep. The one that you see Jared Dines playing. Again, dude, we're going to drop all the YouTube like guitar channel things um, on this one. But like, it's basically yep. that. And it's my guitar that I haven't taken out in gig yet, but it's because I don't want anything to happen to it because it means a lot to me because it came from Tobro number two. Like... Or number one, sorry. Um, it came from Tone Bro number one. So it means a lot to me. So it, it it's kind of a stay-at-home guitar right now. I'll probably take it out on a gig soon. Um, but my recommendation for people, and this is going to be super shilly, and I don't really give a shit. Um, I, I would say check out Ballaguer Guitars. They are, now we're PA proud here. And I'm I'm so happy that there's a guitar that is number one accessible, number two uh, small build, and number three customizable. Go on their website. That's Balaguerguitars.com, and you can check out number one their artist roster, uh, which is growing. It's not it's not solar guitars growing, but it's um <laughs> it's it's growing and the people they have are really uh really quality like um for a long time fluff ryan bruce played balaguer he had the he developed the hyperion model with them uh they have oh one of my favorite ones as a guitar fan and a wrestling fan they have andy williams from every time i die um who is also known as butcher in the tag team Butcher and the Blade in AEW, that he has a signature guitar with them. Uh, that's their Enigma shape. Um, but you can go on there. They sell pickups. Their pickups are great. Um, you can check out their standard line, which is, again, made in China uh, and fine. Uh, it, you could check out their semi-customs and build your own. And the specs that you can spec, you can spec out anything you want. So check them out. Uh, look Balaguer up. Like I said, on their website, go on Facebook. Um, I just used my Toro that I recently acquired on a gig that was outdoors. Uh, it was a benefit gig for a skate park, and uh, it was I used it pretty much for everything we did in E flat. Um, because we tuned down to E flat for everything for the sake of our singer. Uh, so he doesn't blow his voice out. But we did everything in E-flat. And I was like, okay, this is an outdoor gig. It's starting to get cold. It's dry. Let's see how this thing holds up. It didn't waver once on me. And I would say if it did. Like, and and it went from being around 58, 60 degrees in the sun to as the sun went down, it got colder and colder and colder. And by the time we were done, it was like 48 degrees That thing did not budge an inch, not an inch on tuning, playability, nothing. It took everything I threw at it. And if something does that, it's worth checking out. So that's my recommendation is Balaguer Guitars. um, And like I said, just killer instruments, PA made, uh, PA, well, PA business. Like Joe's a great guy. His team is great. I can't say enough about them. So that's my recommendation. Um, Matt, this has been a great episode. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, side note, I'll attest to that thing about Balaguer. You brought that guitar over when we did that little impromptu trade. And other than the neck being a touch thick for my liking, the build quality on it was fantastic. And my kids loved the uh, lumen lays. So that's, that's a win-win for oh, the, everybody. The,
0: the light up. Yeah. The, I do miss the led fingerboard inlays. I do miss yeah.
1: those. All right. I shouldn't um, have said the lumen lay. That's something completely different, but yeah, those were, those were a neat touch.
0: It also did have lumen lay, by the way. Um, okay. Yeah. Like it, it, it they're, they're real. Like, this is not just like I have starry eyed. Like I've put those things through their paces and I've had four of them and they're all good. Yeah. They're consistent. So check them out, com. Like, seriously, eyeball them. This has been a great episode, Tone Bros. Um, again, please go back and check out the other episodes we have. Uh, I want to thank Matt for taking time out of his busy schedule with his, uh, you know, his family and everything going on. Um, and I hope you guys like this. And please, again, go on over to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Tone Bros Podcast. Um, and give us a like. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast, what we can improve on, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, and maybe some recommendations for topics, some questions, anything you have, please check it out. Uh, Matt, again, thank you very much. Tombro number one, you're awesome.
1: Oh, you too, dude. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I couldn't have done it without you. I, I think we make a good team.
0: Yeah, dude, it's a lot of fun. And for all you folks out there, remember, and this is coming from a metal guitarist primarily, Gain... It's not volume.